following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On today's episode, it's time for another USFL great for NFL history. Andrew and I discuss the career of Jim Kelly, who began his professional tenure as a Houston gambler before heading to Buffalo to play for the Bills. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation. Well, Andrew, it's uh, it's that time. It's that time. It's time we do this thing. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is Jim Kelly's featured episode. Have I done? Now I'm wondering if we've done Jim Kelly before too. Nah. We've I, the only thing I've ever done with you on uh, Jim Kelly is a what if. Okay. What if, and then you could kind of, he fits into the same kind of thing like what we did with Sam Mills. We did the Western Pennsylvania quarterbacks. Right, but, right. We didn't like just hone in on his career. Yeah, I don't think we've ever done this I before. If I, not, if I, if we did, it, was, it wasn't very good. Um, it's hey, Man, it's hard when you hit 700 plus episodes to remember everything you did. But it is what it is. If we've never done one together before, then it doesn't really count. Um, okay, but, but yeah, so today we're gonna do we're gonna talk about Jim Kelly. So, wait, wait a minute before just because you're doing your start, your, your Star Wars podcast. So, are you considering before the team came together, Legends and now it's canon? <laughs> yeah, that's the old EU, the expanded universe, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, no, I know. Um, so, yeah, it's Jim Kelly Day. That's what we're doing today. And uh, Andrew and I have, you know, on personal levels, aren't big fans of Jim Kelly. Um, there's a lot. The person, the player, I mean, outstanding. I think in some cases, maybe a little tad overrated, but he's pretty good. He's pretty good at football. Um, you don't make it to the Hall of Fame. You don't lead your team to four straight AFC championship victory. Well, four straight Super Bowls, but, you know, if you're not good at football. Uh, actually, well, one of them, one of them is because of Frank Reich. No big deal. But, um, but today, yeah, we want we're going to pay tribute to Jim Kelly because he is, you know, he fits in with the theme of this month as one of the best quarterbacks, uh, one of the best players to come out of the original uh, United States Football League USFL. Um, you know, as I said, he's got he's got him. There's, I mean, we could literally do this for every single player. Um, who has a muddled off-field life, but we try to keep it pretty unbiased. Again, I have a personal story. I know other people have had personal stories. Andrea has a personal story. We'll leave it at that. Um, we've we've hinted and alluded to it enough on other episodes, just for the just for shits and giggles. So, uh, but today we're just gonna leave it at uh, we're gonna leave it at unbiased and just talk about his great career on field and uh, what he's done 
for the National Football League. Um, what he's done for Buffalo. Yeah. You know, the great city, you know, that Buffalo where, you know, Andrew and I are from. And, uh, you know, what, what, do you, what he means on field to, to everybody here. So, um, Gotta give him that. He stuck around. He did. I mean, that's admirable for a guy who didn't want to come here. He, uh, he sure. I got, I gotta give him that. Yeah. I'll give him credit. I'll give him. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we, we, we poop on the bills a lot, you know, just because we're some of our, you know, some of our guys love it. Some of our guys just can't understand the infatuation. Oh, it's not that we don't understand it. We just can't stomach it. Yeah. But you know, Buffalo is a very special place. It, it really is. Um, the food's great. The people are mostly great. There's so much culture, diversity, um, and it's coming along. Like it's the really developing the cities, you know, the city of Buffalo has come along quite a ways. Western New York is a beautiful place. All four, you know, all four seasons of the year. It's, it's really cool. So the fact that Jim Kelly, again, who did not want to come to Buffalo cannot, uh, cannot see that enough. He didn't end up sticking up, sticking here, but um, that's, that's a good sign. There's a lot of guys who did that too. There's a lot of guys, a lot of bills players that they just, they just parked themselves here in Buffalo after it was all done. And it was like, Oh, this is home. Thurman and Andre are still around, right? I think Thurman and Andre are. Um, Bruce is in Virginia. Bruce is in Virginia. Ken Jones, who, um, was a guy at my Niagara Falls high school. Um, he grew up in St. Louis and was drafted by Buffalo and he never, he never went, he never went back. So, um, obviously there's something special here. There's something special. I mean, there's, you know, like Ryan Fitzpatrick loves Buffalo. He loves talking about his time in Buffalo loves, you know, cheering for it. So there's something special about Buffalo. So Jim Kelly did stick around. But uh, we got a little bit to talk about before that because there's uh, his road to Buffalo. Jim Kelly's was um, it wasn't as cut and dry as a lot of people's. It wasn't just, hey, you're coming to Buffalo to play for the Bills and that's it. No, it's a lot more. It's a little bit more messier than that. Uh, but first, you know, what what did you, do you have? What are some of your earliest memories? Um, non off field memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of of, of Jim uh, Kelly. I mean. Just those early '90s Bills. Just as a Dolphins fan, you wanted the Dolphins to beat the Bills, and you didn't really get to see it. But as a football fan, and looking back on it, how spectacular he led that offense, and just the wins. And I, I grew up with a Bills fanatic as a father, so Jim Kelly pictures and clocks and everything else are plastered everywhere but uh, you know my dad didn't talk too much about older bills players and not so much uh but he had a jim kelly jersey and he i geez when did he get that 95 as kelly's winding down and he wore that thing until the day that he passed away every single sunday i mean jim kelly meant a lot to a lot of bills fans but it it was just always cool every Sunday to see Jim Kelly operate that offense and, you know, play, play one hell of a game. The early bills are very important. I believe to me, I'm not, I'm not a bills fan, but as a football fan, they are a very important building block in my wanting to know more about NFL history and my NFL fandom. 
So I can't, I cannot knock Jim Kelly on that part. Right. Because they are just so huge to me. And Kelly was a big part of that. Seeing Jim Kelly, wanting to see Jim Kelly and everything else. Probably he was the first big name quarterback I ever seen live. That's that I can say in the Hall of Fame. That's probably that's a really good point. I might I may have. He retired so in the 96 97 season was that his last year or was it 95 96? 90 yeah 96 97. Okay. So I might have seen him play once. We used to my parents growing up, you know, when we were growing up, my parents, my uncle Mark, uh he take us the kid uh my sister, my cousins Hannah Molly. Um they just get tickets and they take us to go to the like the preseason Bills games just to go check it out and hang out just just because they knew, you know, the, the regular season were, were a little too loud and raucous for us. But, um, you know, I didn't know what the heck was going on. But I, I probably did see Jim Kelly uh, play at least once. Um, yeah, he. What you said was it was a very interesting point um, about sparking your kind of love for football. Uh, you know, while I'm, I'm not a Bills fan, obviously. Uh, I do, I, I can feel like the, the, the passion for their football team like resonates within me and way back in episode three, a very, very long time ago, uh, oh, Jesus. Yeah. About almost four years ago, uh, a couple months away from four years ago. Um, our guest, Mike McCartney, uh, dolphins fan. He was saying, he's like, I don't like the bills, but there's something about Buffalo that just brings out the best in their sports fans. And like this incredible passion, some along the lines that it's not verbatim, but that line always stuck with me because, you know, as much as I get down, I like to mess with my Bills fan friends and and talk about the culture. Uh, I don't know if I'm as passionate of a football fan, if it, you know, if I don't go to those games and see uh, or, you know, see just how much they love their team. Uh, and a big part of that is because of the Jim Kelly era Bills, right? For before that, they were largely they were just kind of there. Um, they had a couple, I think an AFL championship win, maybe two back in the sixties before the Super Bowl, like officially became, I think they, I know they, they lost the first AFL championship game that would have taken them to the first Super Bowl. So I think it was the fifth AFL championship, whatever. Anyways, they, yeah, they were just shy of going to the very first Super Bowl game against, uh, uh, against Green Bay. They were just shy of that, but, um, Largely Buffalo football. I mean, throughout the seventies, eighties was, you know, uh, it got, obviously got better, but sixties and seventies were the seventies were especially unkind um, to Buffalo, but man, you brought this energy. Like the bills got this winning team. They're dominating. They're top of the AFC. They were there. They were frequent contenders throughout the entire uh, Jim Kelly run for the most part, aside from really the, 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 I think maybe the last season, they still made the playoffs, but. Um, but it made him special. Like Buffalo was valuable. It put Buffalo on the map. Sabres hockey was cool. You know, that was, pretty, I guess, kind of was good in the 70s and 80s. I guess in the 90s, that was more consistent. But the football team just gave Buffalo fans an identity. And I, I can identify with that passion. Maybe not to some of the extremes, like getting ketchup poured on me or going through flaming tables, you know, stuff like that. But um, their passion for the game, it definitely resonates with me. And, and a lot of it is because of, you know, what Jim Kelly meant uh, to the community, to the team, 
to the to the area. And, you know, you just hear about it all the time. My dad, uncles, uh, grandfather, just they always talk about they always talked about the glory days until now. I mean, Josh Allen's awesome. Um, and this Bills team is really, really good. But, you know, and before that, it was always those were the glory days um, for Buffalo football, Buffalo sports in general. I think that's why I'm not impressed with Buffalo today as I am with some of my uh, younger friends are because I've seen it. So it's nothing new and exciting. It's like, oh, we're doing they're doing this again. <laughs> you brought up you brought up, you know, Buffalo in the 60s and the 70s. They were their big claim to fame back then was is they won the OJ Simpson sweep to sweepstakes. Right. And other than that, there was nothing great once OJ was gone. They never really I can't name a marquee player. Joe Ferguson, bro. Yeah, the original number 12. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was just watching the highlight of him getting rocked today. But anyways, anyways. Um, so, yeah, Jim Kelly, a big focal point. Um, it, a lot of love for professional football in this area can somehow uh, be traced to Jim Kelly somehow. Uh, and, it, you know, how much he resonates within the football world. So, uh, but Jim Kelly was, uh, he grew up not too far away from from buffalo not too far away three four hour drive pittsburgh pennsylvania um about 60 miles uh roughly away from it and east brady more specifically um he did pretty well for himself throughout his his uh his tenure there 3915 passing yards 44 touchdowns and one interception and um his senior year he just you know he, he did really really well he also played basketball um, over his career, a thousand points, six, you know, with six thirty plus point games, uh, just fantastic. Just a really good athlete, really good athlete. Um, which is interesting. We did the did do the uh, the 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 Pittsburgh or uh, the, the the PA episode, which was really cool. And it was crazy to see how you know it's how close like Jim Kelly and 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 Marino were. I mean, in age and growing up location, uh, they're from the same area, essentially. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, just makes their NFL careers that much, you know, cooler when you look at how they unfolded. But, um, but yeah, straight right out of college, Jim was being looked at by Penn State, which is like really, really cool. Uh, By now, I guess, uh, controversial, infamous coach, Joe Paterno. Um, Kelly wanted to play quarterback. Obviously that's where the money is and in the NFL, that's what he, I mean, that's what he's good at. That's what he's played. That's what's getting him noticed. Why would he trade change positions? Uh, Paterno wanted to play linebacker. So he's like, Nope, not doing it. Sorry. Um, just can't do it. Yeah. His brother kind of talked him out of it. Cause I, I believe his brother played college or a little bit in the pros. It was older brother. And he pretty much told him, he said, don't play linebacker. He said, when you get on the plane, none of the flight attendants ask where are the linebackers? They ask where the quarterback is. Right. And he was like, I'm going to go, but he was about to go play for Joe Paterno. I'm sure he was called. I mean, that's enticing, right? I mean, Paterno's yeah. at the, like that's peak Paterno era like like there like that's he's i mean he's i'm not super familiar with the paternal timeline but that's kind of where his legacy is being built up um in this era and it's penn state like you get to go and you get to stay home for college right like how cool is that um you essentially get to stay home um 
but uh, it didn't work out. And he ended up going to the U university of Miami yeah. and he set the university of Miami on a, uh, he did really good things down there. He actually set it to kind of started it, I guess really built up a trend of being one of the better programs. Um, it's not, I don't think it's, you know, being called the U. if Jim Kelly doesn't kind of go there and just kind of set the college football world on fire. Um, you know, and everything that, that went into to being down there. So yeah, he ended up going to Miami and uh, yeah, he was one of the best too. best. He had a fantastic tenure, 376 completions, uh, 5,228 yards and 33 touchdowns. So 82, he did get injured. He, 82 uh, he, he did have some short you know he had two dude. like full like looks like two full seasons his first year was a little rough but yeah. um he played officially enough in college to kind of just get him going yeah. um 82 he suffered a bad soldier soldier injury where they didn't even think he was gonna play they didn't think he was gonna play anymore he had metal rods in his shoulder and everything else but he rehabbed it and then they did one of those, you know, pretty much what you would see today if a guy's injured. I don't believe they had pro days back then, but a little pro day. College scouts came out, or the scouts came out, GMs came out to see Jim Kelly throw. And uh, Howard Schnellenberger, I love saying that name, <laughs> uh, the head coach of Miami at that time, said a lot of guys just left after three, th- three throws and was like, eh, we've seen enough. He's good and let's let's go. And that's kind of how we got back into the 83 draft class there. Right. Yeah. I mean, you get, you can hear it. You can see it now with the draft coming up, people get nervous when you start talking injuries to players, uh, draft stock falls significantly, um, for a lot of these guys. So it's, it's certainly one of those things, but, um, but coming out, so coming out of college, uh, everybody knows the story about John Elway. And if you don't, you know, he did not want to play for the Colts. They were a terrible franchise then, um, really just poorly managed. And he, you know, he, it became this talking point because um, this is a really good draft class. There's three top, top level quarterbacks. I think six or seven went in the first round, though. Um, and I'm not going to run through the names. I think six or seven quarterbacks went to went through the first round. Um, so that became a big talking point for a lot of these quarterbacks. And Kelly's agent was like, Oh, well, if John Elway can get away with this. Let's see where uh let's see where Jim doesn't want to play. <laughs> uh he hated the cold weather. He hated it. I mean, I I, I understand that. You you grew up in Pittsburgh, you get spoiled down in Miami for four for four seasons of collegiate, you know collegiate football, four years of college. I can understand not wanting to go back to that, but so therefore Buffalo green Bay and Minnesota were three of the teams that he absolutely did not want to go to, Um, which I'm a little surprising that, you know, apparently they're, they must be really, really cold (laughs) comparatively. Cause it's like, he didn't list like new England. He didn't list the, I mean, New York city, I can understand for the, for the, Jets and Giants, maybe, but um, he really did not want to go to those three places. New England was kind of a, a a decent team back then, and the Patriots actually kind of did want him because 
they wanted to, it would be easy marketing for them since they are located, you know, around in Boston and you got Kelly with the Irish connection kind of right. going, you right. could, you could really do something big out of that. <clears throat> I'm surprised at the Vikings. Cause I do believe they're in a dome at this point. Now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if it was a team thing. Cause how, I mean, how was Minnesota in the early eighties? Were they like, okay. Like the, this is obviously mm-hmm. past Fran Tarkenton. Yeah. Cause you know what? In a couple of years later, that's when they were getting into that whole Bernie Kozar situation. Mm. So yeah. fun stuff. Bud Grant's gone. So, <laughs> and the Packers, they're just horrible until Holmgren and Reggie White and Brett Favre came in. So basically, so, I mean, it gets cold in green Bay. It gets cold in Minnesota. Buffalo might be a little bit warmer than there. I don't know. I've never been to those two places, but we are very, very, very cold days are few and far between. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's watching the draft and he was really, really stoked. He goes, cause he seen that the bills did not select him as 12th overall bills had the 12th pick and he was like, all right, cool. Dodge that bullet. Boom. Life comes at you fast. Uh, the bills had the 14th pick. Uh, I can't remember if they traded. Or they already had it. And like they if they trade, they already had it. So they didn't, it was like it. a mid draft trade. Um, that and then he's like, God, you know, damn it, <laughs> the Bills <laughs> took me. Um, and you know, he he doesn't regret saying what he said. You know, you have to say those things. Be honest. And he was he was upset. He was just like, you got to be kidding me. So, so that happened. Um, he had seen how, I mean, he's a big football fan. You know, he grew up in a good era. So he'd seen a lot of Bills football, and he, he didn't believe that Ralph Wilson was just able to put together a championship team. Um, didn't believe he could put in the right players, the right pieces. It was, um, and yeah, he was just frustrated, but he was, if he had to, he was going to do it. Um, so he's resigned to playing for the Bills. But uh, the famous story that you actually told me about, and, um, I, I love reading this. So he was, he went to go meet with the team to negotiate his contract and some secretary <laughs> let a, uh, let a USFL general manager go and negotiate, uh, let a phone call through. They let, they let Kelly talk to this guy, Bruce Allen, the GM of the Chicago blitz of the USFL um, reached him on the telephone and, and Bruce Allen persuaded Kelly to leave the meeting right away. Uh, and it's funny because, I mean, Chicago wasn't the team that he went to, but the Kelly later states that the USFL let him choose his team um, because of the league's interest in signing quarterbacks. So uh, he did end up, and this is where he ended up signing with the Houston Gamblers. Um, with their the climate control, they played in the Houston Astrodome, and he said... Would you rather, you know, this famously said, would you rather be in Houston or Buffalo? So off to a good start. Yeah. Yeah. I love the fact that they just straight in that let in that phone call. <laughs> Where do you want to go? Just leave. <laughs> just I we do believe he told me he's like, just put down the phone, leave, and you could go anywhere you want to. And whatever money they're they're gonna give you will give you more. How crazy the timing of that is, though, right? Like, I'm sure this Bruce Allen guy had plenty of opportunities to reach out to, to Jim. But in the middle of a no- negotiation, right, in the middle of negotiating, he happens to know 
he happens to know when he's negotiating, happens to know the phone number to access this. And it, it just all worked out, I guess, in, in a weird sense. But basically, the USFL, you know, it, it, the situation was this. The weather is better. Um, very warm, obviously very warm year round as Andrew knows. And I think the pay was significantly better too. They were, they were really pushing the envelope when it came to pay, if I'm not mistaken. Well, look at that one that we covered with Steve young, that well, 10 year, $40 million contract. That's what, I mean, that's what guys were getting in say the mid nineties as a quarterback with Drew Bledsoe, Brett Favre, Michael Vick getting these 10 years, $100 million contracts, making, you know, that much money a year. It's just crazy that it's always almost up there with that. So God only knows how much money they actually gave him. Right. Um, yeah, he never really disclosed that and it never became a topic of conversation. But, um, but yeah, he did, uh, he did really, really good for himself. Um, two seasons, he threw for 9,842 passing yards, 83 touchdowns and 45 interceptions with a 63% completion percentage. Um, and he also earned the USFL MVP award in 1984, um, with a league record 5,219 yards and 44 touchdown passes. I mean, a league record, you know, um, <laughs> the league's been around for two years. So, but I guess at the time, uh, you know, all things considered some of the passers down that way, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's a pro football record. That's yeah. a straight up pro football record. Too. 5,000. Wait. Yeah. Right. Nobody's thrown for that much. Right? 52, 19. I don't know if anybody's touched. That I don't yet. know, but that was the most, that was more than Marino on 84. Right. I don't know if anybody's touched that. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, but it, his USFL, excuse me, his USFL records, they were like way better than like Doug Williams, Steve Young. Um, you know, it, like those, those guys have had, you know, had pretty significant runs in the USFL. But yeah, yeah, he crushed it. Jim Kelly did really, really good. He never came close to that passing yardage total either in the NFL, but I think is the, the, the USFL wanted their game to be more pass happy. He ran the run and shoot also there. Right. He's that's when the run and shoot was getting big and that's all that was. I don't know if you remember quite the run and shoot craze. I'm not super familiar with it. Is it like a stylized of the K gun? It's, it's what the Oilers ran. It's a, it's a very, the best way to describe it is like what Chip Kelly was trying to do. It's a very fast pace, uh, just throw, throw, throw offense. Right. You pretty much go three receivers, a tight end, single back. And then this was supposed to be like the big thing that was going to revolutionize football, but nobody won a Super Bowl with it. They were all good in the regular season. People put up good stats. The only team that probably had the most difficult running it was the Lions because they never had a quarterback where the Oilers were big for the whole run and shoot thing. Right. Okay. I gotcha. Um, but yeah, he chucked it, but he, he never came close to that. Um, ironically enough in his, uh, in his protein, I guess you don't need to throw as much when you have Thurman Thomas. Yeah. So that helps, 
But, um, you know, there was financial issues. It's not like the, uh, you know, the USFL didn't at that time. I don't think it propped up its franchises and the gamblers actually folded. Um, they, they, they kind of folded. So in after that, he's like he went to the New Jersey Generals and he was going to be the starting quarterback. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated holding a general's helmet, but uh, he never got to play a snap for them as uh, the league collapsed. It, it folded. And yeah, but there's, there's other stuff. We talked about the, uh, you know, we mentioned this during the Steve Young um, episode. He did the, the, the gamblers and Los Angeles express game against Steve Young, which is, you know, really, really crazy. Uh, we'll, we'll bring it up. If you didn't listen to that episode, February 25th, 24th, 1985, um, ABC was supposed to televise it, but uh, they would rather have covered Doug Flutie's debut with the Jersey generals. That's interesting. So did he, did Kelly was tell, Kelly going to replace Doug Flutie as QB one? Like just automatically just had the job. That's what it sounds like. Unless Flutie went to the CFL or something after that. Well, yeah. It's, well, who would you rather have Doug Flutie or Jim Kelly? I, it's just ironic. Like how their paths crossed, like, well, not their paths crossed, but, um, the connection that they have in Buffalo, like all, like 15 years later, it's just weird. I don't know. Like the Doug Flutie thing's such a weird thing and something that I would love to cover more into because here's a guy, like you said, USFL career. Yeah. It doesn't really state why he left. Well, this was, Trump's a big spending, and I guess if you put Kelly, who has the most passing yards in USFL history, like like you said, Louie <laughs> wasn't around that long, and then you have Herschel Walker with like the most rushing yards, and you put him in New York or New Jersey, a bigger market, that sounds a little bit better than the whole Doug Flutie thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's just completely two different caliber quarterbacks, but yeah, so they did almost air it. Um, but yeah, they chose that and they only have, they, there is film footage of it, but it was just for like, it's not great. It's just from no. teams, uh, the teams recording, but uh, Kelly threw for 574 yards in that game. And uh, yeah, it was uh pretty wild three touchdown passes in the last gambler. So three straight drives, three final Houston gambler drives. He threw for three touchdowns. And the last one was a game winner to third, uh, to Ricky Sanders, a 39 yard strike. So, but um, yeah, exciting stuff, man. Can you imagine how different it would have been if, um, can you imagine how different it would have been maybe if, if they showed that game, I think it would have been like, weird. it would it have helped the USFL. It's interesting. I think so. I think because that's what people want. They want exciting games. You know, right now they're talking about the USFL. The, the games are not exciting or anything like that. And you throw a shootout like that, you'll bring in more of the casual fan than just the football fan because it's more dramatic. Right. Look at the Rams and the Chiefs. I don't know how many years ago that was. 2018. That game. Yeah, 2018. That was big. Think about how many people... Became sounds so terrible. Became Chiefs fans because of that game. 
<laughs> I'm not knocking anybody. If you became a Chiefs, if you are new to football, you became a Chiefs fan in that game, watching that game, then that was perfectly fine. I'm yeah. not bagging you on that one, but that's what that's what you want. I mean, especially we we just talked about it as a kid. What do you want to see? You know, Doug Flutie's cool. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. But don't you want to see the shootout? Don't you want to see that over just one guy? Don't you want to see two guys duel? Right. Yeah, one of those one of those deals. Um, yeah, so it, whatever. It folded. The USFL folded. He ends up going to Buffalo. And he signs his um, whatever, signs his contract, and they get to work. So 1986 is the first season that Jim plays for Buffalo. Um, they held on to Joe Ferguson a little extra, a little long. Frank Reich, as we mentioned at the top, the, the show thought he was going to be the guy. Surprise, Jim Kelly goes and is the starting quarterback in 1986. And the Bills don't do so hot um, first year. Actually, the first couple years, is a, they, right? They were called the Bickering Bills. Uh, is that, that was, is, is that what I understand? No, that was more 88, 89. Oh, okay. Before that time. Okay. But that's, I would say between probably when he came in to 1990, that's when they were trying to figure each other out. Right. Especially when Thurman, Thurman came in in 89. So they're trying to kind of figure out where each one fits and I'm, trying to see which one of, you know, how they can fit their egos in this each situation. Right. So, all right. So it took, it did take some time. So they did struggle four and 12 and 86, six and six and 87. I think he must've gotten hurt. Um, 88. He did go to the pro bowl in 87. He did get elected to go to the pro bowl that year, 87, uh, 1988, they went 12 and four. And I believe they lost in the AFC championship game that year. Right? Or was it the division? They lost to they I know they lost to Cincinnati. That was eighty nine. No, eighty eight they lost in the AFC championship game. Eighty nine they lost in the divisional game against the Browns when Ronnie Harmon dropped the ball. Who is who's who quarterback for them? Because Jim only went six and seven in eighty nine. Somebody else must have did Frank Wright carry the season? He must have. They, only they finished nine and seven. Let's take a look real quick. It had to be Frank, right? They lost in the yeah, they lost in the divisional round to Cleveland. Um yeah, Frank Reich went three and oh, so he carried them. Um so that wow, that's cool. He it really is one of the best backup. Backer. He is one of the best better backup quarterbacks in the NFL, I guess. Um so yeah, so but there was the bickering bills because Jim, you know, his, his attitude wasn't all that great as you know, Andrew and I have kind of alluded to, he would blame stuff on other players. It would just cause other, you know, other players to be upset. I know there was the four falls of Buffalo, um, you know, explore that a little bit, how they just were not getting along. Right. Thurman and Jim weren't getting along. They had to do like apologies, like public apologies. It was just awkward um, and heated, but Jim's, you know, they just, it didn't sound genuine, but something about it. They just, they just kind of came together. I think Steve Tasker, I think, believes that it best. And if you've ever seen the Four Falls of Buffalo, Jim Kelly had a lot of learning to do about being a leader. Thurman needed to get the chip off of his shoulder, and Bruce needed to just kind of 
calm himself down in a way and realize not everything kind of revolved around him from what I understand. So that's pretty much where it was at because Jim blamed Howard House Baylor about his his blocking and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, just it's it's not a good way. You can win, you can be all right with that. Um, but the whole finger pointing drama thing, it it you eventually unfold. Uh, you eventually unravel. We see it with teams quite often. You know, once the blame game, once the quotes start happening, uh, you kind of fall apart at the end. So, yeah, or if you don't get egos in check, that's the other huge, I think, thing that I think they finally did in some sense. Right. But, um, yeah, so they, but after that, they got their shit together in a 1990. Um, the Bills went all the way. They, uh, you know, the the K gun offense was start was really kind of in its purest form at this point, uh, which is what Jim is most notable for, of course, under head coach Marv Levy. Um, and, and it's just very fast, almost like a West Coast style offense uh, in a way where it's just kind of short stuff, just kind of go, 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 no huddle, shotgun, and just push the ball downfield. And it's just absolutely exhaust defenses. And they did that to the Raiders. They, they ended up winning the, they ended up beating the Raiders that year, 51 to three. Was that the AFC championship game score? I was. Jesus. They, yeah, they slaughtered it. It was bad. It was real bad. I, they said Howie Long was yelling at Jim Kelly to slow it down. Like, can you just <laughs> slow it down? Because they couldn't get any subs on. That was the killer thing about the no huddle is you can't sub in and out, sub in and out. So these guys are not getting a breather and right. they're just marching. And yeah. Howie Long was uh, not too much of a spring chicken at that point either. Still a good player, but not a spring chicken at that point. But yeah, he, th- that offensive style gassed him. And th- I mean, did they do it for long after that? I, I, I feel like I only hear about it when it comes to the 1990 season, but I don't re- really remember hearing about it afterwards. Like, I feel like after they played the Giants at the Super Bowl, they had all kind of just dwindled down. No, they still, they still ran with it. Okay. They still ran with that. It was, I think because that was the year that they, they put it on them. So, you know, it got fi- it got figured out in a sense, but they didn't never went away from it. I got you. Yeah, and if I, looking at Pro Football Reference, it says that was a style of run and shoot. It it kind of was, but I I don't know. It to me it was just the no huddle. They kind of spread them out. Jim Kelly was in the shotgun sometimes, and the only weird thing that they did that I didn't see until maybe Marshall Falk came along was you used uh, Thurman would be split out wide, or you'd be put into the slot. Okay. Yeah, Thurman oh. did catch a lot of catch a lot for them. He was like the receiving yards lead, like like a top five or ten wide receiver leader just a couple of years ago. Well, we just did retro fantasy. Had that one game with 13, 13 catches. Thirteen catches over hundred yards. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, I was so happy with that one. <laughs> I bet you were. Didn't win, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, they had a significant playoff run. They, uh, they you know, they, they beat Miami in the divisional round 44, 34, and then conference championship. They beat the Raiders 51 to three and they lost uh, the world famous wide right Scott Norwood. They lost the giants. Great game. Um, awesome. Great game. Great. Good balance of, of offense and defense. I know Andrew, you said that's probably your earliest memory of, yeah. of football is that super bowl, but yeah. Um, but- that 90 season, I think that's when it was the first year I was 
focused in on watching football. Gotcha. So that whole season is pretty, you know, when you're a kid, sometimes, even when I was younger, you know, you watch a game, but then you go off and do something else. Right. That's my, that's my favorite Super Bowl. So. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, we've watched it. We've, again, we've, we've, we mentioned that we've talked to Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker mm-hmm. who gave the bills kudos that year. Um, he played on the giants, that Super Bowl team caught a beautiful touchdown pass. And he said that they beat the bills that the bills would have beat them nine times out of 10. That's how good they were. Um, it's, you know, it's a very honorable quote, uh, but they didn't run it. They did run it back 1991. All right. They go back the uh, another brilliant season. He goes 13 and two as a starter. And I'm trying to pull up their postseason. I think. All right, so division round, they beat Kansas City 37-14. Conference championship, they beat Denver 10-7. And then Washington just hemmed them up 37-24. Uh, dom- just dominated in the trenches. Honestly, Washington that year, probably one of the greatest teams of all time that nobody talks about because of how just perfectly balanced they were on defense, offense, like everything was just just right. Um Herman lost <laughs> got his he helmet moved. Lost his helmet. Yep. Yeah, that was uh that was an interesting Super Bowl to say the least leading up to leading up to that. Cause once again they're back. And then all of a sudden it just seemed once again like they were cursed. Thurman wasn't in on that opening play. And once again, if you watch the four falls of Buffalo, there is a giant gap. Kenneth Davis, I'm sorry, Brian. Kenneth Davis missed an assignment. He went the wrong way and Kelly had to run the ball up the middle and Jim's not a, not a very nimble quarterback. We'll put it that way. And, you know, it was something that probably Thurman Thomas could have taken. So it was still with the curse. And then was it their defensive line coach ran its mouth about the hogs? Yeah, they just, yeah, it, he got fired right after that. So. It uh, it wasn't good. So they lost that one. Um, 1992, they went 11 and five. Jim played his first full season since 1988 um, in that 92 Super Bowl. And this is the first one where they lost the Cowboys. Uh, see. The comeback year, though, but he didn't play in that game. So No, he didn't. He got hurt. Um, he got hurt in the conference championship game and the Super Bowl. And Frank Reich ended up finishing out both of those. Um, let's see here. Their playoff push, I think. Yeah, they beat Houston. Yep, the overtime game. Uh, the comeback, 41-38. They defeated the Steelers in the divisional round, 24-3. And they beat Miami in the conference championship, 29-10. And then Dallas uh, clapped their cheeks, 52-17. to And that was the end of that season. And then... Really, I mean, his last big season was 93. He still played. He didn't play a full season after 93. Um, he was, you know, but we all know 93, you know, season. They go again, rematch against Dallas. Dallas, you know, kind of gets them, and it's just all downhill from there. Um, didn't notice this, but they beat Kansas City in the AFC Championship game 13-3. to Right. And then Dallas beat him in the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm sorry, 30 to 13, they beat Kansas City. And then Dallas beats him in the Super Bowl, 30 to 13. Really? Yeah. 
That is interesting. That's that's weird. This was one that they probably should have had. Yeah, Troy Aikman talked about it in that, in that documentary about um about how Buffalo just they were winning at halftime, but they just they just they just seemed deflated. There was no passion at all. Like, I don't know. They just kind of just let it slip through their fingers. And, uh, and yeah, you know, this is probably one of, of two that they could have won. You know, we've, what if this before, but, um, it's 93 one was very, very winnable, but you just couldn't get it done. And they did not go back after that. You threw it on. You had like 50 attempts. I was just looking in. In that one, in the last one, and then the game against the Redskins, he threw a ton, but that's because they were mostly down. Right. Um, but yeah, they bombed after that. They took last place in the division in 94. Uh, they bounced back in 95. And I think they made a return trip. Let's see. Buffalo. They won the division at 10 and six that year in 95. Um, that was the year that the Colts ended up going to the AFC championship game against, uh, against the Steelers. Right. Yep. And then 96 was their last year. And he got uh, the bills got bounced in the first round by Jacksonville that year. And that was uh, Jim Kelly's last game it was a, it was a playoff loss to Jacksonville. Who ended up making the AFC Championship game? Jimmy Marino went out the same way. Yeah, Bills were a lot closer, twenty-seven to thirty. Um, yeah. They lost. You had to go there. You Sorry. had to go there. You had to go there, huh? Bro, I have never seen six a team put up sixty points on another team. My God, I'm, I had to. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, that was it. That was it. That was a wrap. Andrew Luck is never coming back. I, I know. <laughs> Tell that to the other Colts fans. Uh, so, Jim, is uh, that was kind of his career in a nutshell. Five-time pro bowler. All right. He uh, one-time all-pro. Went to the Hall of Fame in 2000. I think it was a first ballot Hall of Famer. 2001. 101-59 as a starter. 2,874 completions. 60.1 completion percentage. 335,467 passing yards in a 237 to 175 touchdown interception ratio. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, he's been busy in Buffalo. Like you said, he, uh, you know, stayed after he, his son, Hunter, uh, Hunter Kelly passed away uh, from a unfortunate, you know, disease. Uh, like it's horrible, like on Jim's birthday. Um, and, but a lot of his life has been, you know, post, career life has been, you know, to kind of honor his memory. They did, they, they started up their own research institutes, um, just helping like with charity work around here. And, uh, you know, this was, this was a tough, this was a tough one that, that the community has kind of felt. Um, but as far as, you know, trying to help out crab disease, they call it, I, I believe that's the pronunciation of it. Uh, K R A B B E. And, uh, they've, they've, you know, they've their entire life. They kind of been, uh, uh, just kind of fighting for that. Um, two of his nephews played around here. Um, Chad Kelly is probably the most famous one or no, one of his nephews didn't. Um, 
but uh, Chad Kelly did play around here in Buffalo for St. Joe's Institute. And he went on to play. Uh, he went on, he bounced around the league. He flamed out. He got in a lot of legal trouble, but, um, but I think, you know, he's in this charity golf tournament. He does the Jim Kelly, he does the, the, the training camp, um, which he had done for a very, very long time. He used to operate a sports grill restaurant with a, yeah. with a, with a nightclub called yeah, sports city grill restaurants. Uh, on the ground floor of main place tower in Buffalo from 93 to 96. And uh, twice the man has gone on to fight and beat cancer, which is, you know, absolutely awesome. Um, I do commend him for that. Um, yeah, January 18, 2019, Joe Kelly announced that Jim was completely cancer free. Um, so, yeah. So there is that. That is Jim Kelly's uh, life and career in a nutshell. We did a, I think we did a good job. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Like I said, we can we can rant and rave about personal experiences, yeah. well, and, we're not. and whatnot. But it's not the time and place. It's not the time and place. We've done it. All right, Jim means a lot to the community, I, which is cool. And uh, I thought we, yeah, I thought we kept this pretty positive. I remember going to first Bill's preseason game, and that's who I wanted to see was Jim Kelly. Right. And that was – that's pretty pretty big. And I – like we said in the beginning, he stuck around. A lot of guys, you know, big-name players, they go back to their hometowns, or he could have easily gone somewhere warmer and just lived there. But this man has stuck it out in the Western New York area. And he has, which is pretty, which is pretty amazing. And he's still a big part of this community today. Yeah. To this day, the whole community kind of pulls through him, uh, pulls for him. Um, I do have a Jim Kelly Jersey that hangs up in the, in the studio space. It's in the corner above the, uh, above the sink. Um, you know, you just kind of, if you're going to have Buffalo jerseys, you might as well have, you got to have one, right? Yeah. Um, so it is there. Um, but yeah, I got one. What's up? Is he the greatest bill of all time? If you, or I think Bruce Smith is, I would, I would say Jim might be the most, in, one of the most important, but I think Bruce Smith is the, is the best. You bill of all time. Yeah. Because Bruce Smith's as far as like records and what he did at the position, True. you know what I mean? Like OJ was great, but was he Jim Brown? Great. Was he mm-hmm. Barry Sanders? Great. Was he Walter Payton? Great. You know, Jim was a solid quarterback, but he was never Joe Montana great. He was never Peyton Manning great. He was never um, that level. But Bruce Smith is the ultimate measuring stick when you play defensive line, you know, that, that specific position. And that's that. That's kind of how I value them. Yeah, because I think it's him, Bruce, and somebody else that their numbers will never be used again. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Thurman or Andre. I think it's Thurman and then Andre's is in reduced circulation. Right. Cause I mean, if you look at Andre's career numbers, like, I mean, yeah, he was the dude here in Buffalo as far as wide receivers go, but I mean, not to take anything away from him, but his numbers pale in comparison to a lot of guys. So Andre reads that guy that you got to, I think a little bit in the sense with Jim Kelly's numbers too is you had to watch them play to get the full grasp of how good they were. 
like you could look at Kelly's numbers now, or you know, on here, and you see the we do this all the time the interceptions, the yeah. touchdown ratio, the yards, and they're pretty good. But he was, he was, I Brian and I did quarterbacks of the 90s for Mount Rushmore, he was on mine without a doubt, like he was there. I, I could not deny it as much as my dolphin fan heart wanted to. He is probably, oh man, even when it comes to the nineties, not just for the, he's probably the, he's the number of quarterback in Bill's history, but as a nineties quarterback, he is definitely, I put him top three. You could even argue number one at some aspect of it for the, a quarterback of the nineties. Oh, without he, a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, top three, top five there. Yeah, he was one of the bigger name ones. And there's, you know, there's people who aren't even fans of the Bills who hold Jim Kelly in high regard. So, um, so there, I mean, there is that. And we kind of look and see how the Bills kind of unraveled after him and several others, you know, went away. But, um, but all right. So that is this episode, everybody, to our Bills fans. I hope you enjoyed it. We did, uh, Again, I thought we handled it pretty well, despite personal feelings. But uh, you know, Jim Kelly, we, he is what it is to this uh, to this Buffalo Bills area. So uh, we hope we did it justice in some form or fashion. Uh, but yeah, that's a wrap. We'll be back on Monday. I still got to think of our what if for Monday. It should be uh, yes. yeah, it'll be kind of important. I should probably get on that. But uh, that is it on behalf of Andrew and I. Till next time, the two point conversation is good.